0: Tonight we are going to be in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, if you want to turn there in your Bible, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And we shall pray, and we will begin. Well, Lord, thank you for finding the Bible, appreciate it. Although any of the Bibles would have worked that I was about to grab, this is just nice, and uh, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight. There's a lot of people came tired tonight. Um, many of us are encouraged, some of us are not. Um, we all need a touch from you in one way or another, and we pray that your word would do that tonight. As Aaron prayed, uh, we need your presence, we need your Holy Spirit to be our teacher and guide, and uh, anyway, we uh, give ourselves to you tonight. We will receive your word with gladness, and um, we love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, Second Corinthians 8 and 9 have to go together because they're on, um, it's Paul talking about giving. And I say it like that because we just kind of did a talk on giving two Sundays ago, I think. And uh, it comes up in Scripture every once in a while. And it's just important to to go over these things. And here's, here's, here's my story to start off. I'm not a story guy. You know that. Got to get to the Word of God. I was thinking about when I was a... Uh, When I was a kid, I loved revolving doors. And when I was a kid, there weren't any breaks in the revolving doors. There are now, which were part of the story. And my parents could never figure out the fascination I had with not using it like it was appropriately to be used, you know, just go through it and get out. I thought, no, you got to go around two or three times before you get out. And I would do that, and you could get it going pretty fast. Now, though, they're automatic, See, I I don't travel as much as a lot of people, but more than most. And so when I've traveled, you go up to these places where there's a revolving door and you have to wait. And you step in and it starts moving for you. And by God, if you put your hand on there and start pushing any harder, it will not let you. Okay. And so I avoid those now. I just go to the sides and I go to the the other doors. What does this have to do with Scripture? Well, because with doctrine and with things that come up in Scripture, um, oftentimes the preacher pushes. It doesn't go any faster. It doesn't sink any deeper. You just go at the pace that the Holy Spirit wants to go. And that's very important. And um, sometimes you push too hard, but it doesn't make any difference. And, and I found that to be true in all aspects of ministry, not just in teaching. But if I try to push God any faster or whatever, I, I, it's almost like less effort is more. Less exertion is more. And if I just sit and just walk at the pace that God has for me, I'm going to get through a lot faster. I'm not going to go through any faster. I can push on that door as hard as I want, but it's going to break me. It's going. To, God's like, no, you're just going to go when I tell you to. And I sweated a lot. I still got through the door. Um, but if I just walked at a leisurely pace, at the pace that he was going, I wouldn't have had to have any stress or any exertion. That being said, when these things come up in Scripture, it's hard not to... Push, and here's why I would ever push giving. Okay. So I just want to get this out here is because it is a milestone for Christians. It just is. For God to develop naturally in you and me the spirit of generosity that He has, that He's exemplified in His life and in His Son, Jesus Christ, and that He has by nature, God has a nature of generosity. When a Christian grabs a hold of that and can get to chapter 9, foreshadowing here a little bit, to be a cheerful giver, it is a milestone. But inevitably, when I want people to get to milestones faster than God wants them to get to milestones, I begin to shove and push and encourage. Like you do your firstborn kid. By the third kid, you're like, yeah, they'll walk when they walk. They're not going to walk any sooner. Potty training. Potty training. They'll just potty train when they're ready to potty train. You can try early if you want to, but I guarantee you'll be going back to diapers and be frustrated and you'll frustrate the kid and so on. It's the same with anything else. You just have people mature at different pace, paces. They, 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 they get things at different times, they get things at different seasons and in different orders, you know? Um, and so, with that, here we are in God's word, and He's very faithful to hit chapters eight and nine, and it's about giving. What the Corinthian church had promised a year ago was that they wanted to be a part of what had God had put, a vision that God had given to Paul. Paul wanted to take up a collection from the Gentile churches, all the churches that he started out in the Gentile regions, right? And he wanted to get this tithe or offering together to bring to the Jerusalem church. And here's why. There was a conflict. There's always been a conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles. To the point where you have your church and we'll have our church kind of thing. You sit on that side, we'll sit on this side. And it was a division within the body of Christ that Paul didn't believe should be there. And of course, shouldn't have been. There is no Jew. There is no Gentile, he would say. Well, there was. And they couldn't get past it. And he thought it would go a long way, obviously, to do this for the church in Jerusalem. And it did actually work. When he shows up, they were kind of hemming and hawing and saying, Paul, you preach against the law. And as they begin to talk about the Gentiles, at the end of this little discussion they had in the end of books, towards the end of the book of Acts, they came to the conclusion, you know what? I think they're just believers like we are. And I think that tithe or that offering went a long way to mend that or to cross that, to make a bridge you know, between the two groups. Well, some churches were all on board Couldn't stop them from giving. He'll talk about that. They didn't have the money. They shouldn't have. Everything in their budget said no. But they did anyway, and Paul's going to talk about that. Now, the Corinthian church, on the other hand, heard about it, and they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. But they never followed through. And so on our second letter, which is actually the third letter we believe, Titus is taking this second letter, third letter, back to the Corinthian church after he had already been encouraged by their repentance from the first letter that Paul wrote. Brought that back to Paul. Paul was so encouraged, wrote the second letter and said, Titus, I want you to take this back to them. And when they read this, they were going to send a guy with you with their offering that they promised a year ago. And that's the idea behind this section. So he's going to try to explain it to them. And as he tries to explain it to them, some of us will hear it tonight, some of us won't. It'll take two or three or four, or five, six more teachings before it hits. It's just how it is. I've had people come up to me and say, Oh, I was listening to this guy on the radio. They've been coming here for decades. So this is this guy on the radio, and he said, You know what? We're supposed to forgive people like Jesus forgives people. I've been teaching that to you, you know? But for some reason, that one hit. And I know that, that that's how it works. Because it's the same for me in my growth, in my walk with the Lord. Sometimes I'll hear something here, there, then all of a sudden, this one hits. It just does. So this one may hit. It may bounce. I don't know. It'll be the Lord. So chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we make it known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of the liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only, as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he, began, as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. The word grace there is used several times and not in our usual manner. Grace is usually God's riches at Christ's expense. Unmerited favor is how we describe it. But this is different. I mean, it's the same, but it's different. It's in the sense that I would say that person carries themselves with grace. They're elegant in the way they live their life. They're not moved. They're not uh, dramatic. You know, they're just, they're full of grace. I know people like that. I'm not one of those people. I'm very... Animated and out loud, and but I know people that are full of grace, and they walk in grace, and not at Christ, you know, God's riches at Christ's expense, but in the other, uh, in the best sense of the word, they just have a life of grace. Well, that's what Paul's trying to describe here from these churches of Macedonia, these Gentile churches. There's such grace among them. There's such a beauty to their walk with the Lord, and there is, and. I'm not trying to make more of this than it is. This is exactly what he means. The fact that they were able to do this with cheerful hearts and give, it looked beautiful upon them. And it does. It is. It's a, it's a fantastic milestone in a believer's life. When they get to that place of, who cares? It's, it's for the Lord, you know, kind of thing. And that's what they had. And he says, there's this grace this grace that they have. And they were in great trial and affliction. I mean, it was difficult to be a Christian everywhere at this time. But especially in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was surrounded by... See, in the Gentile area, lots of gods. We know that, right? When Paul tries to preach at Athens, like, I see you have many gods there. So when they talk about Jesus, they're like, yeah, he's that. He Just put a statue up next to Apollos over there. They didn't... It's one of a hundred. Jerusalem's a little different. Jerusalem is, that's God's city. That's where the temple is. That's where Judaism is, you know. So to break, they didn't have a lot of other temples there at all. You know, so when you bring Jesus Christ, that's a big deal. That is walking away from the faith. That is renouncing the God of Moses, the God of Abraham. the God. Of, it was a big deal there. So, although it was difficult and there was a lot of things going on here, uh, in these Gentile churches, there was a, a bigger deal going on in Jerusalem. There was a lot of defense there. And so you can see why the Jerusalem church had still this hankering or this uh, uh, affinity for the law. It kind of kept them, they didn't get beat as hard if they kind of said, yes, 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 of course, of course, circumcision. Yes, 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 of course, you know, this, that, or the other thing, offering sacrifices, lamb sacrifices, animals, of course, and and Jesus. You know, it was their compromise. It was wrong, but it was their compromise. Paul says, these folks, I couldn't stop them from giving. In fact, he says there, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency. Now, why would they do that if Paul wasn't like, look, you guys can't do this. You don't have any money. You shouldn't be doing this. Like, don't deny us the opportunity to be a part you want to bless Jerusalem? We do too. They considered it uh, an honor. They understood what Paul said, that we're the wild olive branch and that we were grafted in. We understand who the root is. We understand who the originals are. We know that Israel was chosen. We, they may be cut off, but we know that we were grafted in because of them. And There was an honor and a respect for the nation of Israel and for the, for the Jew, for the Hebrew. So, like, are you kidding us? We, we've got to be a part of this. So they implored us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. We want that fellowship with them. You know, we know they misunderstand us. We know they don't like us. We know they still think we're kind of dirty and all that, but we want to break that. You know, they want to be a part of it. Beautiful. And they said, not only in this, what we hoped, but way beyond. And so we told Titus, take it, you know, take this letter to you and see if the Corinthians want to fulfill their oath, their promise. And it isn't like they have to. Paul's not going to, I mean, Paul is a way of, he's not manipulating, but he is pushing a milestone here for them. Because they said, they were going to do it and they didn't. So, so here's Titus and we're going to talk about this. He takes two chapters of this letter to talk about this. You think he wasn't nervous about talking about giving and money and stuff like that when it comes to Jesus Christ? Of course he was. He wants it clearly understood the purpose of him writing this is not, not to line his pockets, but is truly from what God wants to do. He wants to, wants to bridge this gap. So we continue on. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich in other words we have an example of that sincere love jesus wasn't born into a palace like everybody thought like the three wise men going to the palace of herod no he's not here he was born where to mary and joseph in the middle of a well cornfield basically you know with the shepherds Heralding his arrival, not trumpets, not you know legions of chariots or anything like that. It was just some shepherds, and they found him in a manger. When Jesus was dedicated at eight days, he didn't bring the typical uh, middle-income to upper-income you know bracket offering of a lamb, of a of a of a bull of anything of value. He brought the two turtle doves the two doves that was the the least that you could bring to dedicate it was the poor man's offering and his mom and dad brought that you know so and that was before obviously the king the kings came anyway it was out of the poverty so Paul's saying we want to test your sincerity of love can you imagine saying that today we just wanted to test your sincerity to Jesus Christ by your giving <laughs> Yeah, you talk about a revolving door in a church. That's what Paul says. I'm testing the sincerity of your love by diligence of others. I want to see that. I want to see that. And in this, verse 10, I give advice. Just advice, not commandment. See him switch there. It is to your advantage, not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, But now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. For if if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what one or what he does not have. I'm not asking you to give what you don't have. I'm not asking you to do anything like that. I'm asking you to do what you said you were going to do a year ago. I get excited too sometimes. I think we all do. You feel a move of the Holy Spirit, you know go to a conference, read something in the word. I don't know. You just have those moments where you're full of faith, all of a sudden. I'm going to do it. You know If I let too much time pass between that moment and the actual doing of it, it fades. I lose it. I don't know what it is. It wasn't emotion, it wasn't uh, hype. But it is a lack of me acting upon what God called me to do. And I start to, we start to think it through. And you're kind of being, well, I don't know. See, I've got a letter in my truck right now that proves it. A letter that I wrote as soon as I got back from the conference down in St. Joe. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but that's what I'm here to do. I wrote a letter of thank you to Grace Calvary Chapel. Much bigger church than ours. And they hosted this conference, and they paid for this conference, and they even sent me a check for filling in at this conference, okay? But this was before I knew that that check was coming. And I got it on my heart. I said, why is it that they have to foot the bill for all of us Calvaries? That's not fair, you know? We need to all chip in a little bit. I mean, I know they probably got it, but that doesn't make it right that we all sit there and mooch off of this bigger church. That's not right. So I brought out a check, and I wrote a thank you note. I said, I know it's not much, but please accept this from our fellowship. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for hosting." It's still in my truck. Well, I don't have the faith to send it. You know? It's like, just didn't have the faith to do it. It's going out tonight, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> can't say that out loud. I still keep it in my truck. But it's going out. We're going to do it. But for me, it's like, well, I waited too long to the point where, I don't know, I'm going to just throw it away and forget it, you know, because time had passed and nobody really cares. Nobody's expecting it. I'm the only one that knows. And so then I get to studying this. I'm like, oh, you're kidding me, God. It's me. I'm less- None of you need to be here tonight. This two chapters are for me specifically. Come on. How long have I been doing this? 30 plus years I've been walking with the Lord. 20 plus years being a senior pastor. It happens to everybody. You get excited. You let too much time pass. Yeah, you let it fade. Be careful. Paul says, I give you this advice. It's your. It's to your advantage. See, what's waiting? What's waiting at the drop in the mailbox? And I'm not doing it for that. I'm not saying, well, maybe there's more money coming, so like an investment account, you know, that's wrong. That's not right either. But Paul is trying to bring out a, a law almost, a spiritual truth. It's to your advantage to do that. That may not come back monetarily, even though the Word of God says that in some places that, you know, you sow and you reap and so on. Fine. But sometimes you reap something different. It doesn't have to be tenfold cash. It could be tenfold something else. More faith, just encouragement, just wow, you know, it doesn't have to be monetary, I want you to do what you were desiring to do a year ago, and I want you to not only be excited about doing it, but actually do it. Doesn't that remind you, James? Don't be hearers only of the Word of God. We'll be doers of the Word of God. You know. So, I want you to complete this. And that's why Titus is coming. Verse 13, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. I don't want you to give beyond your abilities. I'm not asking you to get your credit cards out and max them out at 18% interest. No, of course not. But by inequality, that now at this time, your abundance, which Paul must know that they must be doing okay at the Corinthian, you know, in Corinth, may supply their lack, Jerusalem. That their abundance also may supply your lack; that there may be equality, as it is written, "He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack." Paul's trying to show something here. It's not karma. It's not what goes around comes around. Those are some of the terms the world uses. But there is a truth that those phrases try to hit upon in Christianity is you do reap what you sow. You do. He says, and you have no idea by helping that poor person out while you're doing well, you may be in that position someday. Of course, nobody thinks that way. Well, I'm never going to be there. You don't know. Paul's saying maybe someday they'll be able to supply your lack. Persecution has long arms. We don't know what's coming. Maybe we're seeing Jerusalem get hit hard now, but it's coming our way to the Gentiles. And Maybe when it hits us, it'll be less on them, and maybe they'll supply. Who knows? But just let's even things out here, he says. Beautiful. But thanks be to God, who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. Back to Titus, the deliverer of this letter. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself, and to show your ready mind. Avoiding this, this is what we're trying to avoid, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift, which is administered by us, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Okay, what he just said there was, the churches that sent this you know, love offering to Jerusalem, by our hand, It's going to we're, we're going to be the, the carriers, they sent a guy with us for accountability plain and simple we're going to be accountable i don't want anybody to think that we didn't make it to jerusalem anything could happen on the road to jerusalem even if paul wasn't a guy try- like judas trying to line his own pockets even if paul got robbed on the way there you know shows up with some bruises and said yeah they took it all sure he did what rock did you hide it under paul he brought guys with him witnesses you know He says, because I don't want this to be, I want to do this, but I want to do this right. You can understand that. It's good. Smart. Accountability. Verse 22. And we have sent with them our brother, whom 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 we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of your boast of our boasting on your behalf. So I'm sending you these two guys with this letter. The letter proves that it's from me, that these guys aren't just showing up saying, Yeah, Paul sent us. You know, who are you? No worry about it. Paul sent us. No. So the letters to prove their authenticity. And vice versa. Okay, he says. Now, let's get this done. We don't know what took them a year. Maybe there was a moment where they thought they could give more in a year than they could at that moment, so they thought they'd wait a little bit. Who knows what it was? And that's why he says, "I don't want to. I don't care what you don't have to give. We just need to do this normally." You know, it's not about the amount; it's about the heart. Is what he's trying to get at. It's about Jerusalem seeing your heart and your love for them. It isn't about whether you can give them an extra this, that or the other thing at the end of the year. Let's just get this done. And so I've sent Titus to you with these other guys and they're going to receive this from you so that we can we can wrap this thing up, complete this promise. Chapter nine. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians that a KI was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. So you see what happened here, right? He goes to the Corinthian church They say, "Yeah, absolutely. Let's go bless Jerusalem, do it. Catch us, catch us next time around on your way back. We'll give it to you." And so he goes to Macedonia to all these other churches, "Hey, yeah, Corinthians are in. Well we want to be in too." And he goes to all these places. Now he's back to Corinthians, he's like, "You guys never followed through. You know Everybody else followed through based off of your promise. But she never followed through. Oh, so he actually got to write a check. Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. So I'm warning you ahead of time. I'm coming, you know. I'm not going to surprise you with a love offering and pass around the you know Kentucky Fried Chicken Bucket. I don't know if you've ever been to those kind of outreaches where well, they happen. California had a lot of them. I went to a few of those places, you know. And you'd be a big, huge auditorium, and here come the Kentucky Fried, empty Kentucky Fried, new Kentucky Fried Chicken Buckets, and everybody put their money in, and they pass it all the way around. Yeah. And they'd all collect it at the front, and we'd pray over it and so on. Anyway, I was surprised. Didn't know anything about giving at the time. Brand new believer, and I'm like, I got like 5 bucks in my pocket, and I need that to get out of parking because I had to pay the parking attendant on the way out. You know, you're in, you're in L.A. That's just how it is. I was surprised by it. I'm like, well, by faith? <laughs> no, no. I got to get my car out of the parking lot so I didn't give. You don't care. <laughs> the point is, Paul writes this letter so that it's not a shock. You know, It's not a surprise to them. I don't want you to be, uh, you know, whoa, they need our money. No. But he does keep saying one thing over and over, and I don't know if you picked up on it. We've been boasting about you. Don't let it be a lie. And to find that in scripture and call that not manipulation, we need to know that. He's simply, as a good brother, saying, This is what you said. We expect you to do it. And as a brother in the Lord, it's what you said. I want you to do it, you know, and I'm not going to let it slide. Basically, wow, you know he can say that because he doesn't benefit from it. I think that's important you know um, he doesn't benefit from this and he's made sure they know of that. Um, Lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. Nobody wants that. Have you ever received a Christmas present where someone tossed it at you? You know, Merry Christmas, you know. Jerry, enjoy it. Cost me two paychecks, just so you know, you know. Thanks, I guess. You know, you can take it back. You can get a refund. I didn't ask you to do this kind of thing. No, no, I wanted to, you know. And so Paul's coming to the Corinthian church. I don't want it to be like that when I show up, you know. And God doesn't want it like that either, ever from us, ever. And that's why we have to be careful as a fellowship that we don't ever do that. And that's why we don't take an offering here, because I've never felt comfortable we're supposed to say receiving an offering when you say take an offering you're supposed to you know pile drive someone you don't take you receive okay all right wrong word sorry we don't do that we leave it the box out there just as a silent witness that that's an act of worship just like singing or praying or hearing the word of God it's all worshipful. I don't go around beating people for not singing during worship you know come on louder you know how uncomfortable that would be and so you got to be careful about that and I think passing the plate can look like that. Although there's nothing wrong with it, especially if it's an act of worship, but sometimes it's not viewed that way. I've actually had people come here. Say, oh, so glad there was no passing of the plate. So tired of churches, always begging for my money. Okay. At that moment, I'm like, we need to pass a plate. Because they don't get it. They don't understand. You know? Anyway. So we don't do that because we never have, and because God's always supplied our needs, and we'd always we've always kept the ministry within the budget provided. We don't have a budget; we just do within the means. If there's less, we get lean. You know, bring your own coffee cups. You know, bring your mugs. We ain't buying styrofoam anymore, or, or whatever. Um, and when we have more, we expand. It's how our ministry's always been: expands and contracts. It just does based off of whatever comes in. And Paul's the same way. He learns how to be how to abound. He's learned how to be abased. Makes no difference. The ministry goes on regardless. You know the teaching of the word of God will always be here. You know, um, always. The extra stuff may go away or whatever, or we may expand and do something really extra special for a ministry, and maybe next year we can't or whatever. It just it just whatever God does. Paul is saying here, we do not want this to be a grudging obligation. It needs to be a matter of generosity, because he he obviously saw the sincerity in their heart the first time they promised. He wouldn't be bringing this up. If he wasn't like, "Wow, did you see their faces? They were glowing. They were so excited for the work of God. They were so happy. That was so great." Well, he's come back a little bit later and some, and then just now everybody's looking at the ground. You know, we're kind of over that moment. And Paul's like, no, you need to stir that back up again. That was a great moment. And not because of the money, but because of your hearts. Because you were right where you needed to be, you know? And he's just trying to encourage him in that. Don't let this be a grudging obligation. Let it be a matter of generosity. I'm giving this letter ahead of time for you to think about it and pray about it and be ready for this. That it can be a joyful experience for everybody. So, I say this, Paul says, verse 6. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. He's letting that sit there with them. So just when he thought, I don't want it to be grudging. I don't want you guys to feel like you have to. And I just want you to know if you reap sparingly or you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. That's so bold to hear that, you know. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work, as it is written. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. It's beautiful. He is associating grace abounding towards them, having all sufficiency, abundance in every good work with this gift. It is a milestone for the believer. And he wants them to pass it. He wants them to put it in the rearview mirror. To make it a habit, to make it part of their worship, to never go back, to never feel like they have to, but can't imagine not, you know? It's just part of them. It's who they are. Sowing, sowing, sowing. So important. Verse 10. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower, (laughs) just to remind you why you have fat wallets, he says, God supplied that seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Well through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you their, for their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. They're blown away by the fact that you Gentiles, whom we've shunned, you know, who have thought of, you're filthy, we can't eat with you, um, you know, you have no business, we, we we filled your court of the Gentiles where you're supposed to come meet our God and we wouldn't let you because we turned it into a den of thieves, you know, that you would do this for us. That grace goes on so long in the Jewish people's hearts. It... it it restores so much brokenness and it's not about the money it's the heart behind it is what paul's saying they're going to get this money and they're going to first of all give praise to god for it already you've won you know they're praising god for this you know wonderful work that's that's come their way this total surprise this complete blessing this unexpected fall you know windfall for them oh, you know and they're going to see you. They're going to see you differently. Beautiful. He says, This is a win win win, not just for them in two different ways, but for you. And not just because it's your obligation to make things right. Of course, it's not Gentiles. They're the ones that thought you were the off scouring of the earth, basically, before you got saved, and even after you got saved. No, this is going to do wonders for the body of Christ to be healed and brought together. It's important. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, he ends with that verse because that automatically brings them to Jesus Christ and the unbelievable gift that God gave to us, the spirit of generosity towards us. He didn't need to do any of that. He did, it wasn't his responsibility to reconcile us to him. It was our responsibility to reckon ourselves back to him. We're the ones that broke the contract. We're the ones that did, sinned. And yet he's the one that brought the gift. He's the one that laid it out, you know, laid out his own son, made the way for us to come back to him. And so he leaves it with that. He says, this is nothing more than an act of worship and a a response to what God's already done for us and and shown us. So there, we did it. Two chapters on giving in one night, and we didn't pass a hat, and nobody feels obligated and shouldn't. And many do, some don't, but we have to get there. Make no mistake about it, we have to get there. And it doesn't have to be this ministry at all. I've always believed in supporting your home church, of course, because where are you going to worship? I mean, there's bills. That goes without saying, but there are other ministries that need money. There are other places across the world. I think about hear my ministries, I think about the Africa outreach over there and the wonderful work that God's doing. It's a great place to park your money, to give to God there, to see their praises go up, you know, to see them rejoicing over what God supplied from who they don't even know us. It's a bunch of white people over there in America who sent us money, you know, for the most part. Amazing. And they give God glory and it bridges a huge geographic gap that we have. And yet we don't ever have to necessarily be there, but our hearts are blended together. You know, we're merged. It's a beautiful thing. And not just that ministry. There's others too. I don't mean to leave anybody out, but that's the the obvious one. But there are other things that you encounter in your own life, you know, on your own, outside of this fellowship, outside of hearing anything here. Operation Christmas Child, of course, is one that we do that goes all over. But there's other things that you run into throughout the... God sees it. God knows it. It's a part of it and it's a part of you and it changes you to do that. And I know you I know many of you I'm preaching to the choir for the most part but maybe somebody needed to hear that or be refreshed, you know, in that. It can never hurt. I know I was refreshed by it. Dumb card sitting on my seat in my truck, you know. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. You are faithful to encourage us to maturity. And Lord, this is a milestone that we want to keep in the rearview mirror. We don't ever want to lose this spirit of generosity, the joyfulness that comes along with giving to others without them knowing it, without blowing the trumpet, just to, just to do it because it's the right thing to do, because it's an act of worship to you and it's, a, it's an obedience to the Spirit, but it's also just such, it's just such a wonderful thing for our hearts and for theirs. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you, you just keep us in this place tonight. Always, in our entire walk with you, God. Full of faith, trusting you. Not giving beyond, but being obedient, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up.